everyone, I'm Sheree. And I'm Han. You're listening to It Just Got Real. Han, per normal, which is crazy to say, it's still the Rona and things are still out of control. What has been your real moment this week? I just can't do it like this anymore. That's where I'm at. Like, Do it like what? I, like <laughs> the way I've been doing it for the last three months. Like I've been following all the rules. I've been quarantining. But I've also had a lot of shit going on. Like I've had a really, I know everybody has had really tough quarantines. And so I'm not alone here. And we all have our own story of distress. But having to go back to New York and deal with my apartment, being there for a whole month, also needing to move in LA. Like I moved twice I'm also running a company and I'm fundraising and I'm doing it all alone, like so alone. Like I live alone. I don't have family in L.A. I don't have that many friends here yet. And I'm a really extroverted person. Like I need people in my life. That's where I get most of my energy from Mm. is from other people. Mm. And so I just hit this wall this week where I was like, the way that I've been doing this, I can't do it like this anymore. Like, it was like running a sprint at first. Like, okay, I'll stay inside. I won't see anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything. And now I'm like, this is not going away. No. Like, this is staying for a long ass time. It and is. like, whatever I was doing before, now I need to figure out what does this look like for endurance? Mm. Like, I can't run the sprint anymore. How do I run long distance with this thing? Because the way I've been doing it is, it's unsustainable. Like, I'm going to have a breakdown. I mean, you're literally like that meme. I don't know if you've seen it, that it's like, (laughs) sis, check on your extrovert friends. Like, you're the extrovert (laughs) friend. (laughs) You're it. So I'm losing my mind over here. Like, I can't exist without people. Like, this is so hard. It's interesting because you've been sort of bouncing around, but solo, though. Yeah. Like, flight solo, solo figure out the apartment in New York. Solo moving, solo all the things. And I've been with my family, mm-hmm. which is its own ball its of own wax thing. for another <laughs> yeah. show. But I guess one of the things... I imagine you're working through is like all the things have to be figured out by you. Yeah. So I think it's like a combination of two problems. One is loneliness is an awful feeling and it's a necessary feeling. It's like a physiological response to us being alone, which as human beings, we're not supposed to be alone. Like we are herd creatures by nature. Like Mm -hmm. I'm sure at some point in history, when you had that loneliness feeling, it, it's a response to be like, something is up. Like, get back with your crew. Like, go find the village. <laughs> like, get back to the campsite, yo. <laughs> this is not good. Yeah. You're going to get eaten by yeah. a bear. <laughs> of course, it's not like that anymore, obviously. <laughs> but we still feel that feeling. And that feeling is very draining because... So I was listening to this interesting podcast called Trained by Nike because I'm, like, really into my Nike Run Club. Um app. And so I decided to start listening to their podcast because I just couldn't get enough of Coach Bennett. (laughs) That's pretty. I mean, (laughs) I get to see Han in Zoom. You can tell she's getting her Nike Run Club on. I can't say the same for myself. but It's one of the few things that I get energy and peace from. So where I was going with this, like doing it all myself and where I get the energy from, on one hand, it's loneliness. And that's really difficult to deal with because so in this podcast... They had um, a really cool guest come on, Dr. Stephanie Cacioppo, I think is how you say her last name. And she's an expert in loneliness. And she talks about how 
just like the feeling of hunger or the feeling of thirst or the feeling of uh, being tired, like fatigue, we have to fight it. And so like mm. your brain is on all the time, like working extra to combat this feeling because your body is giving you a signal. Like this thing is happening, you should go deal with it, but then you can't deal with it. So you're just continuing to fight it. Mm. She said it actually even leads to like getting worse sleep and like having impacts on your body and all sorts of other things. Obviously, we know it's a terrible problem for a lot of people. And so on one hand, I think my body's dealing with that. Like I'm spending a lot of extra energy just being alone, me, the extrovert, like alone in my apartment in LA. <laughs> I'm like trying to combat this feeling and spending a lot of energy doing that. And then on the other hand, um, what you touched on is that I'm doing everything myself. Like I'm taking care of this company, I'm raising this round, I'm taking care of myself, I'm cooking my own meals, I'm putting myself to bed on time, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm cooking my own food. Like literally everything comes from me. And there's no external sources anymore to get extra joy or entertainment or excitement from like all of the things that I love about life, like concerts <laughs> got canceled. And so it's like, all you've got anymore is like, it's literally like what you do with your body and your mind and like what you put in it. That's all you've got. Those are like the two things we have left. Mm. All of that, the combination of like fighting loneliness and doing the most <laughs> during this Rona <laughs> all alone, it's taken its toll. Like I just had a moment this week where I was like, I can't it's not that I can't do this anymore, but I can't do it like this anymore. Not the way that I've been doing it. Even as I'm listening to you is allowing me to have a bit more empathy for what's happening around me. And although I know you're not saying you're going to go Florida level extremes, <laughs> it is like I have a little and a little, I mean, like a decimal point little more empathy for the fact that like nobody in Florida gives a shit about COVID. Yeah. I mean, you're living in like the complete opposite situation where like people are like not wearing masks, restaurants are open. It's like- It's insane. That would be so scary. But it makes me, I mean, I think you are a person that is already sort of doing what a single digit decimal of people in the world are doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're building a company as a venture backed female founder which is its own ball of wax mm -hmm. and to do it in the middle of this as an extrovert is just a lot to take on and I think that it's interesting to hear you sort of hit the wall I I think this week has been interesting for me but at the same time one of the things I found that has been interesting and I'm curious your take on this because I want to know what have been your coping mechanisms. So that's the question I have for you. Mm. I thought my coping mechanism was going to be online dating, like find mm. it as an outlet. But for me, I've got to like text message basis once. I've just found that being alone so much for me, who I think used to be an extrovert, I think I'm turning into an introvert. But what I found is that my tolerance for anything that just doesn't feel aligned is super low. And so it's really easy for me to be like, nah. Yeah. But how have you coped? So you hit this wall this week. Have you been able to do anything? Yeah. So I'm, I started making a couple of changes. I think one is 
people are talking about how they have these like pods of people that they trust that have like the same level of like quarantining skills. And I think I'm starting to realize now how critical that is. And a lot of people did that sooner. And I just haven't had time. Like running a company, as you know, being a founder, it's already lonely. Yeah. You are already working 12 to 18 hour days every single day. And your friends are like, what happened to you? Like, bye. You know, they all think that like, I'm too busy to talk to yeah. them. Um, so that already creates this huge barrier between myself and my friends to begin with. Yeah. And that's already been going on for like two years. <laughs> so now to throw this on top, it's like to go find your people and figure out like who you're going to quarantine with and feel safe with especially being in a new city where I don't have really close friends here yet um, is really hard. But I decided that I needed to figure that shit out because if I don't, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> like I think I'm going to explode. Yeah. So I've started to take some steps to do that. There's like one friend here that I've been seeing like regularly throughout all of this. Like we have the same level of like safety going on and I feel comfortable um, hanging out. And then today I decided to like hit up a new friend in my neighborhood in Echo Park. Um, he was like, do you want to go to the park? And I was like, actually, yes. And I knew today was going to be really busy. And I had that nagging feeling at the back of my head, like, I got all this work to do. I need to write that blog mm -hmm. post. I need to do this. I need to work on the release. And I was like, Hannah, stop. <laughs> mm. Go to the park for an hour and a half. See how it feels. And like, it just felt so good to like do a normal thing, like go to the park with someone when we like stayed six feet apart and like wear the masks and like mm -hmm. it felt safe. And he was going through a lot of the same shit that I'm going through, like also living alone, mm. dealing with all this. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, there's ways that we can like make this work a little bit better. But I felt so much better after that. I felt like I actually had some energy. And even just hearing someone that doesn't even know they need that well say like, you can do it. You got this. You're going to be able to raise this round. Like, I'm so impressed by you. Like, hearing and feeling that energy from the person. Yeah. Because it helps you get out of your head. Yeah. It's, like, a totally different thing than, like, talking to someone on Zoom. You can, like, literally feel the energy coming off the other person. You're like, maybe I can do this. Like, maybe I've got this. And so mm. that was a really good experiment in trying to find a different way to work through this because mm -hmm. it's not going away anytime soon. And, like, I don't feel everything should be opening up. That's just my my own personal perspective. Yeah. I get it that we need to make some changes so that the economy doesn't completely collapse, but I think we still need to stay safe. I think minimal opening up of things and wearing a mask in public is like the right thing to be doing right now, personally. Yeah. I need to find some ways to deal with it for the long haul. Absolutely. Like it's required. And I think it's a balancing act that, especially for those of us living in bigger cities, are going to have to like really get good at because the way things are looking like the goal is to somehow come out on the other side sort of with a positive lens on what happened with this time. Yeah, but for sure. It feels like there's no roadmap for the transition at the individual level. No. Right? There's like a roadmap for like what the state of California is going to do. Yeah. And like what's happening with the businesses. But like for a person like even just like you were saying earlier like oh I think I'm becoming an introvert I was gonna make a joke like right I think everybody's learning how to be an introvert everybody's like they're forgetting how to talk to people like just having a conversation with another human being feels bizarre like you gotta practice things to be good at them and I've decided I'm probably gonna be a virgin after this like it's just been like <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day like wow this is an extended thing extended period of <laughs> i don't know I, I do feel you on the like 
I mean, I love my son and all, but yeah, I can't be having my entire life with my 11-year-old level conversation <laughs> in person either. Honestly, the people that I feel the most sorry for, other than like obviously the people that have been like directly affected by COVID, which of course is awful, um, or whose families have been, but like the people that are quarantining with their kids and like figuring out how to like homeschool them and like keep them entertained this summer and the people that are like single and living alone. Like, yeah. I think those are the two, like, worst categories. Um, <laughs> other than, like, the obvious, like, terrible things that are happening for people that are more directly and drastically affected by it. But Yeah. No, In terms of, sure. like, bad quarantine times. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm making some changes. I think I realized... I really need to take care of myself first or I can't take care of others. And what I've been doing to take care of myself is not enough. Mm. It's like following the national and state guidelines for how to deal with this. It's just not, mm. is not working. And so I need to find, I need to get creative and I'm going to need to find some new ways to create community um, that can also be like in-person community, yes. like not just talking to people online and Clubhouse and Twitter, because like that's cool and all, but it's not the same. Mm -mm, I'm videoed <laughs> It's just not the there same. There was like a two-week sprint of like me being in house party because it was so fun. And then I was like, this whole getting drunk thing and still being at home is actually not a thing. It's kind of alcoholism a little bit. Yeah. I got over it really quickly. And so I've personally, like I just ordered like a watercolor set on Amazon, nice. which I know Amazon's so problematic and necessary at the same time. But I know I it's, feel you. every time I hit that like order, I'm just like, damn it. I know. Damn it. But order. And I'm happy you're going to get here in two days. It's really bad. <laughs> but I ordered like watercolors and just stuff to like, I've made it a point to like practice DJing. Mm. So I'm like recording myself as I mix nice. and like doing it outside instead of inside. I mean, the decision to come to Florida was scary. Yeah. I mean, the days before we left, I was freaking out. I was like, can we get tested first? Can we do this? Can we? I remember that. Like, I really was trying to like back out of it, but I'm glad I did it. But it does come with its own set of things, like trying to figure out that in-person balance when my plate is very full even in the middle of this crisis and maybe especially in the middle of it, it is a balancing act. Like you said, like to get to that moment in the park requires a level of building because it's not going to be that happenstance meetup. No, nothing happens by chance anymore. Like we really need to dig deep to build our community. And I think I've had a really hard time separating work and life because like work is so extended. I mean, we are both working mm. super long hours right now. We're both covering the basis for multiple jobs in our companies. We're both dealing with the same economic difficulties and that all falls on our shoulders. Like something needs to get done that we don't have a person to do. It's us doing it. The days are super long. Like yeah. I work like 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. minimum every single day. Mm -hmm. And then like some days I'm doing even later than that. And like I find I'm getting to the point now where doing a 12 hour day is just, it's starting to feel difficult and it never used to feel difficult before. And I think it's yeah. compounded with this loneliness and where do I get my energy from? Mm -hmm. So I've had to also like really work hard to like take time <laughs> for myself, which I know sounds like the most basic thing ever, but like cooking meals for myself and working out, like that doesn't count. <laughs> That's like baseline, like <laughs> life management shit. Right. And so like taking the time to go to the park or like taking the time to do something 
that is enjoyable, that might fill up the energy in my cup, like finding the time to do that has also been so difficult when I have this immense pressure on my shoulders right now to get our fundraise finished, to get the company in the next place. It's like any minute that I'm not doing that, I feel kind of guilty. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm sure so many founders feel this way. Yeah. That is life. Like nobody wants to look back on this shit and be like, oh God, what if I just worked harder? It would have worked. Like, I don't want to have that thought. Mm -hmm. I want to know that I gave this 150%, 200%. And if it doesn't work, then I did my very best and I can like live with that peacefully. I feel that. Your tail end of that thought around like, what if I just worked harder? actually makes me think of one of my first record scratch moments of this week. Oh, yeah. So are you down to talk about our record scratch moments now? Yes, I want to hear it. So I applied to this fellowship program because Mm. a friend of mine encouraged me to do so. Which fellowship? It's called ODEF. Okay. It is for, in theory, earlier stage founders like who haven't raised, but now that I am pivoting tastemakers and really leaning into the membership model, like there's some like drastic changes that are about to happen that I'm super excited about. But I felt like this is something I didn't think I was building. And so I thought that like having a community to sort of restart with, like I might even change the name of the company. Like it might be a new company by the time this pivot finishes. And so I thought like being in this fellowship would really be a good idea, Hmm. even though at first I was like, "Mm, I don't really have time for something like this. Like I was thinking about your Snap Yellow experience and I was like, do I have time for this shit? (laughs) Because this is a lot. (laughs) I'd love to do a whole episode sometime on like how far founders should lean into these resources because there are so many of them today, but they can also take so much time out of your life. Right. So for me, it was kind of like, I wished that earlier in my startup journey, I had done that more in the U.S. ecosystem. I built my startup in Africa. Yeah. And I didn't start tapping into this like U.S. world of things until like two and a half years ago when Charles backed me. And before that, I was very much in the African startup space. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I go ahead and apply. I feel like I did like a really decent job. I had a good conversation. And then I got this denial letter. And I kind of was like, okay, In my head, I was like, I'm probably too far along. They're probably not sure what to make of this. And I kind of felt that going in. Oh, because it was for really early founders? Yeah. Or you could have been a founder of a company before, but starting something new. Mm. Um, So I think because I wasn't starting something new, in my head, that might be like a challenge. So I had made peace with it. Like I was totally fine with it. But the record scratch came when... I ended up through the grapevine getting the intel and the feedback about why I didn't get in. Oh. And there was this comment that the head of the thing or one of the lead sort of people working on the fellowship made that was like, oh, she's been building this for five years. And then the next kind of conversation was like something around like the caliber of founder. Whoa. And it really got under my skin yeah. in a way that something hasn't in a while. Like mm-hmm. usually these kind of things, I'm like, eh, whatever. But the reason it was a record scratch is because all of these VCs and people in tech are out here like Black Lives Mattering. Yeah, you know, totally. I got so many damn Juneteenth emails. I had to like put them on mute because I was like, this is a lot. But him saying that 
reeked of unconscious bias, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Absolutely. You didn't bother to ask why. Like, when I think about the phases I've gone through with tastemakers, I've literally built two different companies. Yeah. I started out with this non-tech-backed group travel platform. I was trying to get a mobile app off the ground, couldn't make it work because I didn't have a network of engineers, Mm -hmm. tried to build the network of engineers. Like, all of the reasons why it's harder for Black founders I lived through them. Mm. Didn't get capital when I first had the idea. I was getting, you know, 20K here, 10K there. Could never plan ahead in the business, literally up until I closed our seed round in October. That was the first time, actually, when Precursor invested. And even still, I couldn't raise the whole round I wanted to raise. I remember that. And so it was like, for me... There was a part of me that was like, oh, maybe he's right. And that pissed me off. No, fuck that guy. Don't even think that way. You can't. I got out of it. But it was that moment where it was like, wow, like y'all are doing these tweets and hosting these forums. But like that bias just comes out so easily. Mm -hmm. But like if you if that was why you wanted to deny me, why not ask me the question? Yeah. It just made me think about how dismissive people in our space can be mm-hmm. having no idea what it takes. Yeah. I mean, that's bullshit. And like, fuck that guy for saying that. And like, that's so much unconscious bias. But it makes me think of another thing too, which is like, I think even layered on top of this, because I've also experienced this too, a bit. Like people have been yeah. like, oh, you've been building this for a year. Like, oh, what? You started this company like two years ago? And I'm like, it takes a long time to build a consumer company. Like none of the successful mm-hmm. consumer companies happened overnight. Like if that's what you think is going to happen, you can walk away because you're wrong. And yeah. a lot of the successful ones were like at the point of like not making it hardcore before they finally did. Like yeah. TBH was like that. They were like begging their friends for Amazon credits before like Facebook bought them. Like Airbnb was like that. Like there are so many examples, like pretty much every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like none of them were like, oh, you know, go raise money, build a thing overnight, immediate success. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. So it's like also this, I think there's a bias in the industry too. And I I remember hearing about this when I heard Scott Belsky talk about his book, The Messy Middle. Mm. And he made this comment that really stuck with me, which is that investors only care about the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. Because those are the points that they're involved at, like the point where they make the bet on you and invest the money and the point where they cash out. And the middle part, the messy part, (laughs) a lot of them are not as involved in. And of course, this is changing. And like we have great investors that are very involved in our messy middle part, I think. But Mm -hmm. it's still not the core part of their business. And I get it. Like that makes sense. Like if I was an investor myself, I would be getting excited about companies when they're just getting started and when they're having a liquidity event in the middle part is more of the founder's job to figure it out. And so I actually felt this a bit in the yellow program too, because we were more mature than all of the other companies, than most of the other companies in there, I should say. Um, That's not the case of all of them. Some of them, there was one actually that was older than us, Charlie Cohen. Um, I remember saying to the to the managers at one point where I was like, oh, I bet you didn't want this kind of problem on your plate. Like, this is a really messy, like, Mm -hmm. thing. And he was like, yeah, you know, you're definitely, like, further along than some of these other companies. And, like, sure, like, it must be really nice to run an accelerator when everybody's got the stars in their eyes and you're all getting started. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think two years in, five years in, like, that's when, you know, the rubber really hits the road and this gets super real. And the problems that we're dealing with are like very difficult. And I wanted to be like, 
oh, you've been working at this for five years. Are you of the caliber? Like, do you know how hard it is as a whole grown ass woman to like still be in something that is not guaranteed to work and do it? Yeah. And also culturally more relevant and important than ever before. Exactly. And like this dude can't see all that shit. Nope. It's all good. It's all good. So I have a a different kind of record scratch moment this week, but that I think (laughs) relates to yours. Um, That is a positive record scratch moment. I was talking to a friend on Tuesday, also a black founder like yourself, um, also in Charles's portfolio like us. And shout out to Charles for introducing me to all the coolest people. (laughs) All the time. Shout out to Charles. And he's also in the middle of it like we are, like in the middle Mm -hmm. of like building a startup, like in the thick of it. And we like commiserate for like, you know, a few like 20 minutes first talking about like how hard it is and how nobody really understands. And like, It's difficult to explain to your friends and family. The only other people that really get it are other founders and blah, 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 and whatever. And then he goes and like just drops this bomb. He's like, I'm starting a venture firm. Mm. And I'm like, you're what now? You have a startup and you're starting a venture firm? He was like, yes. And he was like, the reason I'm doing this is because it matters right now more than ever before. Tech is where the money is. Money needs to be in the hands of black people. And we need to do this right now. I love that. I have been thinking about it all week. Like, we got to have this guy on the cast because, I mean, (laughs) I nearly fell off my motherfucking chair when I heard that because that is so badass. And, like, so much work, but also so correct. Facts. I love that, too, because I think the other side of my record scratch moment, like, I got in my feels. I shot the text, like, is this true? And then I said, fuck that. Like, I have escaped every possible tap out moment ever. And it was funny because I was in Captiva today looking at these freaking amazing houses. And I was like, watch, what am I going to take on next that's huge? And listening to this story about this guy just being like, actually, I can still build my company and I'm going to launch this fund so that I can solve the problem while I'm building a company for this, like that level of roll up your sleeves and do it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, I was just instantly like, how can I help? Yeah. Tell me who you need intros to. Like, how can I help? Like, you need help with design? Like, I am here for you. Like, immediately. Because I love it. Seeing that kind of like roll up your sleeves and do it attitude was just so, so impressive. I mean. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm trying to think. Other record scratch moments. There was a couple So one that was really funny, kind of on the same subject. I don't know if you've seen the video. It's like a Baton Rouge, Louisiana city council meeting. No, I didn't see it. I'll send it to you after this. But this guy basically comes up and he's given like the citizen. Clearly it's something where they've like, they're allowing for community input. And so this guy who's clearly like active in civic engagement is like, talking to the city council about their shortcomings in this moment. And he was like, I was supposed to come up here and talk about how racist Robert E. Lee was, but actually I'm going to talk about you, Connie. And Connie (laughs) is like one of the city council members. And he was like, yeah, you over there online shopping while black people are (laughs) testifying about their hurt. Oh my God. And the freaking cameraman pans to Connie's screen like i don't know oh no is she actually like she on amazon was literally or online clothes shopping shut up and so the guy goes in on the whole city council and he has 
I mean, his roll of receipts was so long and he's just reading them for filth. And it was interesting to me because it, it came up in another conversation I had about like, let's look at who's tuned in, but let's also look at who's tuned out. Yeah. At a, you know, there was this Slack conversation I was in and it was like, there are 800 people in this Slack, but only 40 people showed up to this conversation. Hmm. If we were talking about, you know, some random, you know, techie thing, it'd be like 50% turnout. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. But this video of this guy, and he even like calls out the black council members. <laughs> and he's like, and Tanya, you know, you see Connie sitting next to you online shopping. She showed you herself. And he... I mean, it is the greatest. I gotta watch this. Take. This sounds it's amazing. Everything. But it's so relatable. Like, it's like, actually, why do we even need to talk about Robert E. Lee when we can talk about Connie <laughs> and her Zara purchases she was making in the meeting? And so Connie eventually, like, slinks out of the room. Like, and the, the camera person <laughs> oh, is no. the camera person. I'm, I want his name or her name because. They literally move the camera every time it like oh matters God. the most. And Connie, he was like, and you should resign on today, Connie. On today, you should resign. <laughs> it is the best. I'm going to send it to you and you're going to crack up laughing. But oh my God, that was one. There were so many record scratch moments. We don't have enough time in the, in the pod to talk about it. The last one I'll mention is Snapchat's. Juneteenth filter. Oh, I saw some people talking about this in YOLO. I didn't see it, but apparently it was not totally this, on the mark. <laughs> girl, like, are there any black people that work at Snapchat? Like, what the heck? <sighs> Smile to break the chains? For real? It was, I saw it, I was like, people are not serious. I thought it was a joke. That's what they did? Oh, no. Pan. It was literally a filter. Oh, no. And it was like oh, a chain. And then if you... Because I think they're really trying. Well, but they that was did not fail. try in the right direction. If you smile, <laughs> it, it broke the chain. It was so bad. It was like this That's... cheesy... It was like a red, black, and green like rainbow in the back. And oh my like God. when you because that's all it chain. takes, right? Just just smile and you'll be free from slavery. Just smile when like, you're still hanging out in Texas and no one's come to liberate you yet, right? Just smile. <laughs> smile to break the chain. Oh I said, my God. What in the entire hell? They had to take it down. It was so It's also bad. like it's a little bit sexist too, because I think about all those times where men say to you, like, oh, just smile and oh you'll God. be cuter, right? Like, fuck that. It's like, you know what? If I want to be grumpy right now, I'm going to be grumpy because exactly. I'm a whole ass person with feelings. And you don't need to tell me what you think of my face when I'm in here trying to buy a bagel in the morning. So, exactly. It's also like a little bit of that. It is also that. And it's ridiculous. And Snapchat, like, please do better because I want to like y'all, but that smile to break the chain. Yeah, it's it also saying over. things like, we should be comfortable with imagery of black people looking upset or angry, not mm -hmm. having to smile. Like there's that embedded in it as well, which is also yep. really messed yep. up. Okay. Ugh. I'm not going to go into any more record scratches <laughs> because I clearly had all of them this week. Let's move on to the culture. What you've been listening to? What you've been watching? What's going on? There was so much good culture this week. Okay, so 
Tiana Taylor's album. Oh my God. Like if you haven't listened to it yet. She doesn't get enough love. I don't understand why she's so slept on. She's unbelievable. So I saw Tiana Taylor. I think it's because she was on my super sweet 16. Mm. I saw her last summer in New York at the RBMA show, like RBMA festival. And it was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen. It was like Beyonce levels of costume changes and backup dancers and like scene changes. And it was like really spicy and really sexy. And it was like some next level shit. And she's like singing and dancing through the whole thing. Like I nearly died. It was so good. But this album (laughs) is, it's great. It's like 23 tracks long because she could only put out like eight last time. The intro is so intense. It's like a recording of her accidental home birth, which is a super intense way to start off an album. Um, The whole thing is great. Yeah. She definitely, I mean, I like her, but I do think... I've situated her in my head in my Super Sweet 16, which is ridiculous. But that's where she stayed for me. Mm. And then also, she just makes me want to go to the Mm. gym more than I want to go to the gym when I look at her. (laughs) So I think (laughs) if I catch her, I'm happy. There is that. What else? Um, On Tuesday, I also watched the Marianne Stokes project that I talked about on the pod a couple of weeks ago. Fascinating documentary about this woman who recorded almost 30 years of television in the United States on VHS tapes. Phenomenal documentary. I highly recommend it if you can check it out. It was streaming on Tuesday night and I watched it there. What about you? What have you discovered in Culture This Week, Shrey? Sherman's showcase is what happened to me. Okay, it's probably not new. I don't watch regular TV ever. Once Downton Abbey went off Netflix, like I was kind of done with television. And yes, judge me. That show is my jam. Blame my last summer fling. I'm going to remember that. But anyway, so I don't really watch TV. And I am quarantining with my friend Carmen Rogers, who's an incredible singer um, in foreign exchange, actually. So anyway, shout out to Carmen. Carmen puts me on to this show called Sherman's Showcase. It's kind of like a spoof of Soul Train meet Dave Chappelle. Okay. It's on this channel called IFC. It's such a strange and beautiful show. Like John Legend is an executive producer on it and like appears from time to time. It's just wild. And so the whole thing is like song spoofs. It's spoofing artists. Like you can tell who it's spoofing and the host is this guy Sherman and it'll be like, I can't even describe it, but the best moment of yesterday was it was called Sherman's Showcase Black History Month Spectacular in the Summertime. So like that alone was the most and it was their Juneteenth edition. And then they were spoofing like a C.C. Peniston song. So it was like 90s house music vibes, but it was called Add Some Kente. And so it's this woman singing. Oh my God. And the hook is like, okay, guys, I can't sing, so don't judge me, but it's really funny. So she's the chorus is like, add some kente <laughs> to your rims, add some kente. And then it's like, to your Tims. And it's like, shows the Tims with the kente <laughs> and the rims with the kente. And, and then, then Congress with the kente. Co- and then Congress with the kente. <laughs> like, it it was so <laughs> funny. And it like it goes completely left. Like at some point in the song, I can't remember the words that rhyme, but it was like 
to the clan and it had like the Ku Klux Klan with the Kente cloth. It was so oh. hilarious. So Sherman Showcase is my absolute new right. thing. Can you get that on like internet TV? I bet it's on like YouTube or something. Probably I on YouTube. Find this. It's so funny. Like it is the most they had a go-go band, which go-go is like a music form from Washington, D.C. Mm. So there was a spoof of Chuck Brown. Chuck Brown had that song, Doing the Butt. Mm-hmm. But it was called The Black Kids at the White School. Okay. And so the, the hook was like, we're the black kids at the white school. And it was like a whole go-go thing. I was like, this. the whole show is ridiculous and great and funny and I love it. Damn. I got to go find this now. This sounds so good. I'm always looking for like good comedy. Like my favorite kind of TV is just TV where I am going to like laugh out loud alone in my living room. Like that's all I want. You're here for the lols, as my son says. All right. So speaking of while we're here, I have to give an honorable mention to Beyonce's Juneteenth drop. Mm. I won't go into detail about it, but I'm happy she did it as Beyonce would. Um, But we are really getting over time. So I think we should remind people of all the things you learned from your real moment this week and wrap the show up. Yeah, let's do it. Let's take this home. So I think the first big takeaway for me was like really needing to find like long-term sustainable ways to continue living like this. And what I mean, like a practical example of that is like going to the park to meet a friend safely and trying to do something that can help build community. Um... I think a second one is one that that you actually pointed out, Sheree. The second (laughs) takeaway for me is like knowing when you're about to reach your breaking point before you break. Yeah. And I feel like this week was your week for that. You were just like, hold up, can't keep doing it this way. And I think it's important to be able to like recognize that and not be afraid Mm -hmm. of it. And to be like, let me address this because I think a lot of times people see something, but they think they have to go a certain way. And that's when people Mm -hmm. break. And so I think recognize your breaking point before you break is super important. Yeah. And I think the last thing is something that we actually talked about once before. And I mentioned this talk that I heard Troy Carter give once about how he looks for something that gives him energy every day. I think like, especially as an extrovert with the lack of people to get energy from, like really honing in on like, what are those things that give me energy? And like, dedicating time to them every day, Mm -hmm. Um, which sounds kind of like silly when there's this mountain of work to do and all this other stuff. But it's like just as fundamental as taking care of yourself as like eating the right stuff and like working out and all this other junk, like not having energy. I just feel like my cup is is empty. I don't have anything extra to give. So yeah, I feel that. I'm going to be spending a lot more time with that too. I love that. And I know you guys are probably also like, obviously, one, thank you. A lot of you guys have been, we've been getting a lot more feedback on the show lately. Yes, which I love. Thank you. Please send us more feedback. Please, on the Twitter and the Instagram at GotRealPod, we will respond. It's been really dope to begin to kind of see that folks are listening. Outside of that, We'll be back next Thursday with another episode. Yeah, and more realness. So please hit us up online. Say hi. Tell us what you think. We're still learning how to do this. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you.